Welcome, everybody, to the very first episode of The Dog Dispatch. I am your host, John Smith. Super excited to be here to talk about all things Georgia football. Um, I am joined on The Dog Dispatch with uh, my new friend, uh, Chris Hayes, Coach Coach Hayes. Uh, Excited to have Coach Hayes as part of The Dog Dispatch and part of the show to talk about all things Georgia. Coach, would love for you to tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Hey, John, thanks for having me, man. And I appreciate the fact that I'm having this opportunity to work with you. Uh, just a little bit about myself. Uh, pretty much was a uh, started off at non-traditional uh, coach and educator. I actually was in sports medicine for six years and uh, was an athletic trainer. Got the opportunity from some of the head coaches that I worked with at Rome High School to look into the teaching endeavors. When I got into teaching in my seventh year out of college, um, First thing I wanted to do was start coaching football. So living up in the Northwest Georgia area, I reside in Calhoun now, but uh, have been at different places across Northwest Georgia from Gordon Central to Calhoun to Lafette, North Murray, um, (laughs) and now currently no longer coaching, but just working in uh, curriculum and education in the Floyd County School System with the College and Career Academy. But that gives me the time now to go back and take all my expertise and try to connect those people who are wanting to understand football a little bit better and just try to take the fan, the fanatic and connect it to the fundamentals of football. Yeah. It's super, it's, we're, we're super thrilled. I'm super honored to, uh, to work with you as somebody who not only grew up in Northwest Georgia. So we have kindred, we have kindred geographies. So us Northwest Georgia boys got to stick together. Yeah. You're uh, talking about our merch and trying, you <laughs> and I can only have that collision of understanding. Absolutely. We, we, we rivals all the way back in the day. Um, yes, we were uh, OG, no doubt. OG rivals, but no, I love, I love uh, the opportunity for you to bring your expertise. Uh, obviously just thrilled to have you uh, coach. If you don't know, if you don't follow coach, you can find him at, uh, at coach Hayes huddle H U D L on Twitter. And he also has a YouTube page um, under the same uh, username where you can find his film breakdowns. We're going to be sharing film breakdowns from Coach during uh, the Dog Dispatch episodes um, and, and on the Dog Dispatch site. So really excited to, uh, to have his expertise, to bring him in and, and to have him be part of, of the show. Um, and Looking so forward to it. Yeah. No yeah. So today we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of a season, a season recap. Um, and a look ahead, a little bit of a look ahead into uh, 2024 uh, Georgia football as we as we start into um, into this this offseason. So Georgia, you know, another uh, man, it's it's hard as Georgia fans, right? How quickly we go from. A 13 and one season, a New Year's six bowl where you win a game by 60. Coach, I don't know. I don't know about you, but me growing up as a Georgia fan that that season would have been a magical. I mean, I would have oh. given anything for a season like that. Most oh, of would, most of my life, it um, would have been a pinnacle of any season for me, no doubt about it. Going through the years that we had to watch it, um, to have a thirteen and one season and a sixty point win in the Orange Bowl. Are you kidding me? I mean, this goes to show you the difference between just a decade's worth of time of watching watching Georgia football. Yeah. So so let's talk about that a little bit. So we so this team thirteen and one. Um, didn't make the college football playoff, uh, but, you know, ended up setting a, a bowl game record. I, you know, Michigan and Washington, as we're recording this, still have yet to play. But I doubt uh, one of those teams is going to win the game by by 60. So I think we're pretty safe that Georgia set a bowl game record uh, yeah. for margin of victory. Um, but, you know, as we look around uh, at, at the season, it's obviously, you know, it's a little bit bittersweet, right? You, Georgia 
is a program that is on the pinnacle of the sport at the top of college football. And so when you look at this team and you look at this program, a 13 and one season where you lose by three to Alabama and you miss the playoffs and miss an opportunity of three Pete does feel like a little bit of a, of a letdown. And so what I'd like to do, you know, in the next few minutes, maybe let's just talk about the takeaways from the 2023 football season, what we loved, what we didn't, um, and, and just kind of tie a bow up on the season. So what, you know, what, what are some of the things as you, as you think back on the season coach from, um, from from this team that we that we really liked, where do we feel like the team maybe even took a step forward from um, the the two national championship teams? Um, and where are some areas that we think you know uh, that we didn't like the good and the bad? You know, you know, honestly, John, what I feel like as a from a coach's perspective, what you've got to love is the pride and the 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 feeling of what it's like to be a Georgia fan, knowing you got Kirby Smart as your head mm-hmm. coach it's important that that culture factor has set in now to our program to even when we do have the ability to be a little bit bitter about the way things fail, because it was a perfect storm of how all the play, how all the teams fail at the end of the scenario that took us out of the the four team playoff, that still we have a head coach who kept the nucleus of that team together. We didn't have hardly any, if any opt out, we had kids that were hurt that didn't play. We had plenty of transfer portal kids that were out of there as well. And even amidst all the distractions of that, we went out there and we gave them a solid product, a team that was destined to want to finish the drill of the year and to, you know, come out with that 60 point win. I, you know, honestly, to me, I could sit here all day and we could get into this major ping pong match of, well, Florida State didn't have all their players. Well, that's the difference of the culture that mm-hmm. I'm proud of for Georgia. And that we didn't use that as an excuse to say, well, we could have done the same thing. What it was nice is that we were able to go out there and take our product and and uh, produce something on the field that was enlightening as a mm-hmm. as a Georgia fan because you go out there and see your kids that you've watched all year long continue to want to perform and play for their brothers, and that that comes from internally. That's an internal um, mechanism that that Kirby Smart has built for this program, and then to see the younger kids actually play the second half and continue to show development and progress against a team. I don't care who they had lined up out there. I was very excited about that as a culture because, you know, it's very easy for people, like you said, to feel bitter about how we fell out of the, you know, the top four teams. And we had just as reason to argue about it as anybody else did, but it was just really nice to see us put a bow on the end of the season with the, how proud I am of the program and where it's at right now culturally and how Kirby Smart has uh, cultivated that over his his tenure now at the University of Georgia. Yeah, I don't, you know, I think this is an, it's an important point. I don't think people realize, and I know, you know, um, Georgia fans, as I mentioned, myself included, uh, feel a little bit bittersweet about the season. I believe Georgia absolutely is a top four college football team. I don't think that's that's indisputable. I think that's indisputable, especially after what happened in the Orange Bowl. But I think what people don't realize, and you were touching on it, and this is where I love your your coach's perspective, People don't realize, especially in the opt-out culture, the transfer portal culture, the college football playoff or bust culture, um, the type of not only skill and connection and brotherhood, but just leadership it takes for those guys to go out and do what they did in the Orange Bowl. Right. Uh, the the you know it's 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 hard. It's hard to get um, eighteen to twenty two year old kids. 
uh, when they've worked all summer and their bodies are beat up and they've gone through this whole process for this for this goal that they they literally just came short of, it's hard to get them to flip that mental switch and be like, nope, we're going to go out and we're going to do it again. We're going to play our brand. We're going to play to our standard. Um, and that's that speaks volumes to, to not only Kirby Smart, but to Mike Bobo and to Will Muschamp and to Glenn Schumann and to Todd Hartley and to Trey Scott. And like everybody on that staff um, has really built the culture of these guys play for each other. These guys play for for the program and the university. And and I think what you saw in the Orange Bowl was, a, was definitely a throwback to what people mm. – why you fall in love with college football, right? Like people exactly. fall in love with college football because you got kids that are going out there and playing for uh, for the the – the logo on their helmet for the for the name on the front of the jersey um, and for each other. And uh, and I couldn't be more proud um, uh, of them for doing that. You know, I also think I just want to give a shout out, you know, talking about uh, takeaways from the season. I was so happy for Kendall Milton um, this year. You talk about, you I was know, too. man, you talk about a guy who's dealt with injuries. Uh, even earlier this year, you know, he was he was uh, banged up a little bit and uh, in the in the summer. Um and for him to finish the way that he did, uh, to have, um, you know, not only be the Orange Bowl uh, offensive MVP, but uh, but to have um, a 300 yard rushing games when he had won his entire career coming into this year, um, I just really just really happy for for a kid like that who, you know, you talk about somebody who loves Georgia, you talk about somebody who who loves playing uh, for for their team and with their brothers uh, was really was really happy for him, and I think that was an area candidly where Georgia took a step forward this year with him in particular, but there were quite a few players this year that just took that step forward uh, from where they were the last couple of years, even though they won two national championships and, and went back to back, you know, we still had uh, uh, quite a few of those players that just really stepped up and, and Kendall Milton, you know, was chief among them for me. And I was really, really happy to see it. Yeah. The running back situation, you could even add to the assistant coaches is Dale McGee. You know, you look at our two guys from the NFL that just got selected all pro and Dale McGee's making posts of mm -hmm. being thankful for those kids and what they had done while they were at UGA as well as showing out in the NFL mm -hmm. with, um, with cook and with Swift. But, yeah. you know, I was, there's nothing, I think if you look at it from my perspective, what I see in a day in day out basis is I deal with 18 year olds, 17 and 18 year olds, and have kids that are roughly this age. And when you see a kid grow up over a four-year period mm. and you see them begin to understand the process and develop and start maturing, not only academically, but, you know, with their football um, academia as well and understanding their IQ, their football IQ, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It really does give you a sense of completion when you're a coach watching that kid grow up over that four-year period. And Milton is, to me, the epitome of someone who fit that profile very easy to be frustrated with him and even Dejan both at the beginning of the year because they were injured going mm -hmm. into the first quarter of the of the season. But as they got healthier, they got better every game. You saw improvement. You saw one complement the other. They just did a really good job when you know Branson going down with a patella tendon injury, yeah. and then you see um, those two kids really grow up and just mature right in front of us. And like you said, you know, to piggyback off what you said, to see Kent Kendall just perform at a high level his last four yeah. to five ball games was really uh really rewarding to see yeah just the fruits of your labor you know it's like you mm -hmm. you're a highly recruited kid and 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 for what he went through um it, i i just love guys like that not that he not that he would have ever considered the transfer portal but just guys that you know stuck it out when he was playing behind 
all pro backs that you mentioned, like James Cook and you know Zamir White and those guys, and uh, mm-hmm. and so just just a just a shout out for, for Kendall Milton. I was really happy to see that um, at the Orange Bowl. All right, let's let's turn the page a little bit, take a step back. What what didn't go so well this year, Coach? I mean, it's hard, you know, thirteen and one. You lose, you know, one game by by a field goal where you had uh, you didn't you obviously didn't play your best in that one game. Um, but I do think you know Georgia had had some struggles, had some ebbs and flows this year um, that that were not present in the last last year, especially. Um, it, but what what did you see from this team that you, we just feel like you know this is something that didn't didn't go go well? We we have you know really need to work on this in the off season and maybe positions of need, those types of things. I think when it comes down to it, when you look at it from a person who's a coach, also who's someone who used to be an athletic trainer, is the inconsistencies with injuries. When you have a situation where the D-line wasn't performing as well as they were and we were hurting at linebacker, inside linebacker position specifically, and CJ and Raylan had to come in and start getting a majority of those reps because of what happened to uh, Pops and what happened to Smile, Mm -hmm. that that really hurt because what we were having to do was trial by fire for two inside linebackers who were having to learn the game so fast Mm. and not really getting very good D-line help to start with. Because when you have a D-lineman like the Jordan Davises and the Jalen Carters and uh, those kind of kids that were two gappers and were basically able to take on two people, that allowed your linebackers to flow so much better. So our linebackers were not only, you know, frustrated with flow, but with the, you know, having to take on blockers a little bit more than what they're used to. So I would have to say if you want to put a, you know, tie it up into a nutshell of uh, saying that, the inconsistencies was probably where I saw our um, my most my biggest frustration. It seemed like one week our D line would all of a sudden show a little bit of spark, but our you know linebacker play was a little bit worse. And then secondaries we had some woes. And the next week secondary and linebacker play was pretty good. I remember being so excited after the Ole Miss game with CJ Allen and how well he played at the linebacker level. But then the D line would have sputters, and it just. It never seemed to have complimentary football, and that's something that's going to have to come with the kids getting more mature and working together. If you're not injured and you've got a unit of 10 to 11 that are playing together every series, every down, all of a sudden it's it's just like anything else. It becomes a well-oiled machine, and uh, that would be something that I really would like to see in the offseason is hopefully build some continuity, and, and we've got to stay a little bit more injury-free this year. We, we just were riddled with injuries this year. Yeah, people, you know, people people don't realize Georgia the players have said it, right? Um mm-hmm. but Georgia Georgia the players have said our practices are harder than a game. Yep. And and Georgia, you know, Kirby Smart has recruited depth and the way that he runs this program and I'm not trust me, I'm not, Kirby Smart has earned the right to run the program however he wants to run the program. Uh, but it does put yourself, it does expose yourself a little bit more to injury, right? Like you have guys who are going to be who are going to be banged up from Bloody Tuesday, mm-hmm. guys who are going to be banged up from the from from conditioning and and how hard they go during the week. And so, um, I, I agree. I think you know this year uh, that front seven for me was was it felt like you know everybody say well duh, but you know it it felt like that's where Georgia took the biggest step back and. You know, a lot of people want you talk about the SEC championship game. Um, I've I've had this discussion on Twitter uh, uh, with a lot of people, um, but a lot of people want to blame the offense, right? The offense scored 16 points less than the, their season average. You you had you know play calls that people disagreed with, and all these things. The reason that Georgia lost that the offense did have their woes in that SEC championship game, 
But the way that Georgia has been able to win over the last couple of years is that complementary football when one side of the ball is struggling, the other side of the ball rises to the occasion and yeah. takes care of business, right? Exactly. And, and what Georgia couldn't do in that SC championship game is you had – and Kirby Smart said it if you go back and watch the game in between the third and the fourth quarter when they do the interview – Kirby Smart said, "We got two young backers, two young linebackers out there just playing, you know, playing their hearts out or something like that." What he was saying was, "These guys, these guys were were in it. They they were true freshman linebackers who were putting the fire on the biggest stage, the SEC championship game." Um, and 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 to be candid, you know, it's people don't realize how difficult it is to play that position, period. But especially right. as a true freshman, the speed of the game, your eye discipline. Your mm-hmm. stunts, the timing of the stunts, all those things, and I think for me, you know, that was the biggest thing with Georgia this uh, this off season that that I really think this team needs to take a big step forward is is in that front seven, the eye discipline, the timing of the stunts, the you know, all of those things. Obviously, you, you got to stay healthy, but man, when you got young guys out there trying to trying to time a, a cross dog or an exchange stunt, and you got Jalen Milrow, I mean, that's a tough. <laughs> That's a tough. That's a tough task, right? When you got a quarterback who can who can take off um, like he did and kept those some of those drives alive late in the game and ended up ended up winning that game. And so, um, yeah, tough tough for those young guys. And I'd like I'd like for my audience to hear too, our audience to hear. Yeah. A lot of times I get some I get some criticism about the feedback I do with these kids, man. And you really don't understand. I love every one of these kids that I'm breaking down. There is not one kid that I'm sitting there going, I hate this kid. This is why I'm doing this. I want to basically publicly humiliate them. It's really, <laughs> it's really called tough love, you know? And, yeah. you know, as much as I just did a breakdown on Jalen Walker, you know, I love that kid. I want that kid to succeed, but I watch him on film and film don't lie. I can't tell you how many times we've watched a perfect X stunt by pops and by smile to take those guards the way they should so that our wraparound or the twist stunt by the five technique gets to the quarterbacks where a lot Mikkel did against Florida State. But God love it. Raylan and CJ so many times run right into the chest of the guards and got pinned. Yep. And when you get pinned and you get a guard that's got good, you know, that's really good and they got hands on, mm-hmm. you're screwed. Your stunt's yeah. over with. So that that's the frustrations I'm talking about. That will come with just reps. That comes mm-hmm. with timing. That comes with working with specific D linemen over and over and over again to build that continuity. And honestly, offensively, I don't really feel a frustration um, of what we did in the in the um, championship game because you know there's a difference of two or three people being disciplined and one of those sweeps pops. Yeah. Um, but you know, just like it did in the zone runs in Florida State game. But you know, if it never pops, we have reason to continue to you know, berate, why do you keep running that play? Well, obviously they felt like they had success against it or Kirby wouldn't be saying, Hey, let's try to run that again or whatever it may be. Um, So needless to say, I think to build that continuity going into spring where you have Mm -hmm. a solid 10 to 11 kids that are injury free, that are playing together, that are getting those reps and and giving that trust factor to the coaches that they need in order to um, do it. But I do love these kids, even though I'm breaking down, it's tough love, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, sometimes you gotta, if the film don't lie. You've got to, got to call what you see, you know? Well, oh, well, let's be honest. There's nothing that you will say, or I will say that will be anywhere near what they will hear from Will Muschamp oh. and Kirby Smart and Glenn Without Schumann. a doubt. Without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. So you talk about tough love. Uh, th- these, these kids are getting it. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, y'all, y- y'all here as we, go on with the show and with our site on the dog dispatch you'll you'll hear us you know i i, I we're going to be objective my goal is 
is to bring, uh, and I know coach's goal is too, is to bring you, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And none of it is, is personal against any of these kids. Um, uh, you know, it is truly from uh, a standpoint of you, you brought it up. I mean, you know, fans want to blame uh, coaches uh, for, you know, feel like I'm running the, they're running the same play. Why are we keep doing this? Why do we keep doing that? Um, these kids are, are, and these coaches work together all week, put in a game plan, try to figure out where they can exploit mismatches, try to figure out where they have the best chance of winning the game. And it is so difficult to have that game plan going in. And then when stuff isn't going your way, you, you can't in the middle all of a sudden be like, all right, well, let's just change. Let's just throw it all out and change, right? Like you mentally, right. everyone has focused on executing these plays. Mm-hmm. Everyone's focused on executing this game plan. Um, and adjustments obviously, uh, you know, have to be made, but when you have true freshmen out there and your defense is, this is the game plan. We worked with them all week, got them mentally prepared to do this. Um, it's very difficult to come off of that. Um, especially when you're replacing, you know, you know, guys like, like pop who, uh, you know, he played on, on the 2022 15 0 team, he played 671 snaps. Right. And, yeah. and, and so you're replacing between him and, 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 you know, I know smile, smile played but he was banged up too but you know those guys had 1300 snaps between the two of them in a 15 and 0 national championship season and then you got guys who uh, had you know less than 100 snaps and all of a sudden are having to be out there uh, yeah Yeah. for every play as the quarterback of the defense so so the front seven I think is where Georgia needs to take a big step forward this offseason I I agree and uh, excited to see where the team grows we're going to talk so much about this team so much about uh, the offs, you know, during the off season, uh, what's happening and what's going on. Um, so we'll, we'll, you know, tune in for more of that. Um, Want to talk about, you know, we just had early signing day in December. Um, we've we've got, you know, uh, the transfer portal. The first window has officially closed. I mean, I I know bowl games they extend it for certain teams. I don't know. I can't keep up with the transfer portal these days, but. Um, who are some of the players? So I love what you do on on the YouTube channel, and I want folks to go and subscribe to that for sure um, because you do a great job of of not only looking at you know film plays, breaking those down. You do a fantastic job of also breaking down players, right? Giving your assessment of these guys coming out of high school, coming from the portal. Who are some some of the guys that you're excited about for 2024? Some of the new guys um, that uh, that that are going to be part of this team. Well, it's easy to be really excited about our number ones. You know, KJ Flippin, obviously um, Ellis yep. and the um, and uh, Justin at linebacker, the corner yep. and the safety positions. But to yep. basically look at it from my perspective, what I see is um, the people that may be a little bit under the radar with it. I'm really excited to see what this wide receiver room is going to do because today, mm-hmm. adding the new person in through the portal, Michael Jackson the uh, third. You know, you look at where Nitro Tuggle goes in this situation. Nitro Tuggle mm-hmm. is someone who's showing out right now for the All-American Bowl, and uh, I've seen good clips on him. So he's someone who definitely excites me. You know, mm-hmm. whether he gets there quicker than slower um, terms as far as catching up with the collegiate-level pace of the game uh, will be, you know, something uh, to be looked at later on. But he's offensively someone that I'm really excited about. Uh, I really like uh, the Nate Frazier kid, the running back. I really think we finally have someone who's a who's going to be a game changer for us when he hits the hole and, and he's going to make people miss and take it to the house and not get caught. Um, but our running back room has definitely solidified with adding ETN, and obviously we're I'm excited to see what Branson Robinson brings back. I hope 
Uh, realistically, a patella tendon tear versus an ACL tear, very similar. So the psych- psychological part of that is going to be, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to get too excited just yet about Branson, but I think mm-hmm. that really will, it'll play its part out. But Nate's one that I'm really excited about there. And, uh, you know, from a defensive side of the ball, I mean, it's very easy to be excited about the number one safety, the number one corner, and the number one linebacker. But right now, Justin Green up front, I believe oh, is boy. his name. And yep. uh, that defensive line is something that I want to see grow and improve. You know, we've got Hall. We've got uh, Mpemba. Um, mm-hmm. We've got um, Jarrett. Um, obviously, Brinson, TID, Mikael yep. Williams. But that kid right now is – is doing some things for me that makes me think that he might have a little bit more of that it factor too. Um, Kirby's made a point to say that he'll play freshman. You're going to have to go out there and you're going to have to compete and earn your spot to get your reps. But there's about two or three, I think that could contribute as, that's true freshmen this next year. And those that I mentioned, I think will have the best options to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kirby, he played Michael Williams. He played Malachi Starks. He, you know, he, he, and, and, and again, you know, it's real. it's tough. People, uh, people think and myself included, I used to be one of these. It's like, you know, you have the number one recruiting class. You think you got these five stars. You think they, they're going to come in and they, they're just plug and play. Uh, but, but the complexity of the, of these defenses, right? Like, I think that's where, that's where uh, where I see this group coming in is you mentioned it earlier. I think the football IQ of this class, and I could be totally wrong, but it feels like the last two classes, that football IQ has just been a little bit above the athleticism. You know, Kirby's always recruited physical athletic guys, mm-hmm. but now you're recruiting these guys that, you know, um, uh, Ryan Puglisi at quarterback is a good example where a guy that was under the radar, Todd Munkin spent time with him and Todd Munkin, you know, not only saw his, his, his skill, but, but his football IQ. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and you, and you have a lot of these guys coming in that feel like, uh, they can pick up this defense quickly. And that's what Kirby has said. Yeah. He'll, he'll play you. If you, if you put in the work and you, and you understand the scheme and you, you know, the calls, um, you'll, you'll get on the field, uh, you early can- <clears throat> You can give that credit to high school coaches now, too. High school coaches are mm. teaching and coaching these kids so much better and so much more fundamentally. I remember when I was in school, I couldn't have told you what a three technique was from a pulling guard, you know. <laughs> and now these kids have so many different things that they're having mm. to functionally assess day in and day out. The game has gotten so much more complex, mm. and I think that's just trickled down over time. That's the reason why we're seeing more kids coming in and playing as true freshmen. Um, yeah. I do believe that if there is one that could give us probably start you know maybe not day one but definitely see reps at the position is definitely going to be our uh you know ellis out there i think he's going to be one yeah. of those that at corner is going to be one that can really show out to begin with and then again like i said it's kind of the matrix effect you know as the yeah. game progresses and slows down yeah. for them then we're going to see a lot more of these kids come in like justin williams and uh, kj bolden those kind of things as well so yeah it's really Which- nice to see well, shoot, Ellis Ellis Robinson had you know Julian Humphrey in and out of the portal and back in the portal. <laughs> no, that's okay, that's man. not a shot. That's not a shot at Julian. That that whole his whole team. If you go look at his Instagram and you look like the whole team was on him about. Well, and that's something that holds you accountable because I know you're as well as I, I'm never going to try to insult or make fun of a no. kid that's 18 to 22 years of age. Definitely but not. come on, man, that's the reason why as a head coach nowadays you're going to see these head coaches for, you know, college football programs age like a president over a four-year term, man. You can see Kirby has aged a lot in just the last four years. 
Um, and I, I think the, the what they're having to deal with with things like that right there is what's causing these these processes yeah. to become so taxing because you have kids like him that are doing this to you. And you're like, dude, you're a scholarship player. We've got to figure out where you fit in this whole rank of things. You can't be just moving in and out. And that's probably one of the only drama situations. I think you really could say that Georgia's had in the last month or so with, uh, with that. So yeah, it's been kind of perplexing to say the least. Yeah, no. Yeah. And I think, I, I think, we're, you're going to have more of that, and I, I think it's a great point. I, I think people don't realize behind the scenes how much re-recruiting these coaches have to do. You got to re-recruit your whole roster, right? Like yeah. you got to, you know, at at the end of the day, um, and you also, you know, the coaches. I think they they also, uh, you know, some players you see players hit the hit the portal, and you, I think fans are confused sometimes. Sometimes players are encouraged at the yeah. portal they the coaches are it's roster management it's roster management You're exactly yeah right. yeah and uh and these guys uh got to figure it out but uh ellis robinson some of these young guns i think are going to continue Jordan's going to continue recruiting at a high level um i think you know kirby smart is going to be he's going to tastefully use the portal for positions of need uh but he has been very clear you know his goal is trying to build from the high school ranks develop players in their system grow those guys through their strength and conditioning program and I think so. You're going to see every year. Uh, I, I really believe you're going to see uh, some young guys come in and push uh, some of these guys. You know, whether it's considering the portal or whether it's you know pushing them for playing time. Um, but I think for me, yeah, looking ahead for 2024 for players, I think the wide receiver group is very intriguing. I think you know these transfers as well: Colby Young, London Humphreys, Michael Jackson the third. Um, on top of uh anthony evans who i think is you know uh, our our guy terrence edwards uh terrence edwards the last two years um he talked about ad mitchell he talked about dylan bell and now he's talking about anthony anthony evans uh tune into you know tune into terrence edwards uh and see what he what what he says you should listen when he talks about these young guys that's that's who he's been talking about lately and I'm really excited about this wide receiver group to see how they can develop and how they can blossom because that was one area this year man with Georgia, uh, it, it, when when Lad was hurt, when Brock was hurt, um, you know, you had some guys that 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 tried to step up, but it was very clear that wide receiver, Rara Thomas, when he was hurt, that yeah. that depth at wide receiver was tough, and so I think Georgia obviously made it a priority. Really, really interested to see how these guys uh, d- develop and grow in the program. Yeah, and Nitro and Sokovi are basically your two receiver in, in mm-hmm. coming in. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, look at Dominic and Ra-Ra. If, they, if Ra-Ra can stay healthy, uh, year two, you think about it. When you put somebody under year two, I think we're going to see an improvement from those two guys from first huge. year to second year. It's going to be a huge yep. growth in those guys as well. Yeah, they're too good. I mean, Dominic Lovett, you saw it at Missouri too. Part of that was, you know, Luther Burden was taking, you know, taking some of the some of the action from the secondary. But but Dominic Lovett led the SEC in in receiving in his second year at you know at Missouri. Right. Um, and I think I think that that second year leap. Uh, I think there's some guys on this on this team that they're poised to make it. You know, we just mentioned Anthony Evans, but I think yeah, mm-hmm. Ra Ra and, and Dominic Lovett are too as well. Anthony well, awesome! One I'm excited about, no doubt. Absolutely. Well, uh, thanks, thanks for thanks for being with us. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Dog Dispatch. I'm John Smith. You can find me at John Tweet Sports uh, or at DogDispatch.com. Coach Hayes, go follow Coach Hayes at Coach Hayes Huddle H U D L on Twitter and on YouTube. Uh, if you if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. 
like uh, and subscribe. I know, you know, we'll we'll try not to beat you over the head on like and subscribe. Your all your shows are hitting you over the head on it, but it really does help the show for you to hit the like button and for you to to su- subscribe to the channel. Um, and we'll be back uh, next next week with more uh, from the Dog Dispatch. See y'all soon. Take care.